This is Tech Talk with your host, Tom DiOria. Tom will spend the next hour making your life with technology a little easier with explanations of the different aspects of today's technology and how it can benefit your home, small office, or enterprise. Now here's your host, Tom DiOria. Welcome to IMI's Tech Talk. Uh, it's the second Sunday of November. I hope you all went out and voted uh, on Tuesday, and I hope you all thank a veteran on the coming Tuesday, which is Veterans Day. Um, you should do that all the time throughout the year if you ever run into a soldier, sailor, or marine, or Air Force pilot person. Uh, we're on at 5 p.m. in the New York listening area, and because there's no daylight savings time, we're still on at 3 o'clock in Arizona. Uh, we're live from our New York offices, and we're going to be discussing a really interesting topic, women and minorities in technology, with our guest Tracy Weiland. It's Dr. Tracy. I'm Tom DiOria. I'm the CEO of Information Methods Incorporated, and together with our weekly guests, our show will help our listeners, whether a business or home technology user, make better use of all aspects of technology. Just in case you're a first-time listener, in our first segment, Tech Talk provides you with a review of last week's most significant events in technology. We start with our increased coverage of New York's technology scene, and we follow this with our industry-wide report, which could contain information on conferences, announcements by vendors, new releases of software or equipment, or new contract opportunities. One of our guests followed us from many aspects of business and industry, and if you wish us to consider a topic for a future show, you can email your suggestions to techtalk, that's T-E-C-H-T-A-L-K, at imi-us.com. We'll get back to you pretty quickly. Anytime after our show introduction, please give us a call or send an email message with questions on today's topic or anything else we might be able to help you with. You can call 277-KFNX. That's 277-5369. And if you're outside the 602 listing area, call us toll-free at 1-866-536-1100. You can also use that email address I just gave you, techtalk at imi-us.com, to send us questions. Uh, and if we don't get you on today's show, we'll definitely send you a response and try and get you on next week. We're also being simulcast on the web, uh, so if you can't get uh, to your radio and you have to listen to us live, you can go to KFNX's website, which is 1100kfnx.com. And if you want to listen to this show again or any of our previous shows, it, we have them all archived on our website, which is imi-us.com. In the upper right-hand corner is a Tech Talk button. Click on that. All the shows are there. They're archived. You can send them to your friends, listen to them as many times as you want. It's free, so take advantage of that. And please call in any time during the show, and we'll try and get you on as quickly as possible. First segment's our week in review. It's our increased coverage of technology events in New York City and around the world. It's compiled by Dave Brandon, Dan Dioria, and Jose Batista. Okay, we've uh, there are a couple of press conferences we want to tell you about. Let's see. D.A. Vance, Mayor de Blasio, and Commissioner, that's the NYPD, Commissioner uh, Bratton, announced major initiative to enhance NYPD mobile communications. It's a major initiative that in many ways transform the way the NYPD officers perform their duties using criminal asset forfeiture funds secured by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office through recent uh, sanctioned cases, the $160 million NYPD Mobility Initiative uh, will provide NYPD offices 41,000 mobile devices, including tablet computers and handheld devices that will streamline 
law enforcement efforts increase the safety of New Yorkers as well as police officers and ensure fairness within the city's criminal justice system. Um, so the, this significant uh, investment uh, will immeasurably enhance law enforcement and criminal justice system, not only in Manhattan but throughout the city, by allocating uh, funds secured as a result of criminal misconduct back in our communities. We are now placing real-time data in the hands of every police officer. And that's a quote from um, District Attorney uh, Cyrus Vance. And I think that if you go on uh, the city's website, you'll be able to find more information about the specifics of the technology. Um, but the police commissioner also said this technology at the press conference, this technology funding will significantly help to advance the city's move into the 21st century policing. The timely uh, access to critical information is key to effective policing and enhance public safety. The initiative will clearly result in more efficient crime fighting, counterterrorism measures, and service to the people. So um, we'll keep following that. We have some people in uh, uh, working with the police department on its implementation. And um, another uh, press conference that the city had, um, Mayor de Blasio held a media availability uh, on the appointment of Benjamin Tucker as New York City's uh, uh, first deputy police commissioner. Uh, and um, he thinks it's important that this was done, uh, and they've talked about the amazing progress in the areas of robberies, over 2,000 fewer than they had last year. Murders are down overall crime. And something is working, working better with each and every month. And uh, the mayor gave a lot of credit to Commissioner Branton and his leadership. And, of course, to the men and women of the NYPD for the work that they do every day. Um, Commissioner Branton made an announcement today, um, and this is November 5th, um, that we covered this. Uh, and he thinks it's a great step forward for the department, he, and uh, it's the appointment of uh, Ben Tucker as the first deputy commissioner. And again, if you want to read more about that, you can go on the NYPD's website, which is part of nyc.gov, and uh, follow up on that as well. Okay. If you invest in stocks or bonds, odds are you use mutual funds and have no idea how much you pay in fees to your fund managers. That's because such costs are terribly opaque, uh, expressed as an expensive race, expense ratio that's a percentage of how much money you've invested. Figuring out actual dollars and cents paid is beyond most people's capabilities, including my own. FEEX, that's F-E-E-X, is trying to change that. It's a Manhattan-based startup whose mission is to expose exactly how much average investors are paying for their mutual funds and suggest less expensive alternatives to help them save more. Uh, their CEO, Yoval Zarel, said, We are the Robin Hood of fees. A co-founder with uh, Yuri Levine, creator of popular traffic app Waze, which we just got introduced to, um, and you may want to check that out, by the way. I'm a little off topic here. But W-A-Z-E, it's a pretty cool app. tells you where all the traffic jams are. Um, it's updated by people that are actually on the road, so you're getting really up-to-the-date information. also tells you some other stuff, like where the cops are and stuff. Uh, but um, it's pretty good uh, if you do a lot of traveling in, in congested areas. 
Um, because fund management fees pile up over time, eating into your nest egg in good markets and bad, FEX provides examples of funds with similar investment objectives that don't cost as much. So uh, you may want to check FEX out if you're a big investor. Michael Bloomberg's lawyers went on a $12,000 online shopping spree to protect the former mayor from embarrassing domain names. The former mayor's legal team snatched up about 400.NYC uh, domain names, including Michael's Tools to Short. NYC and various other names that we will not say over the radio. Uh, Wilkie, Farr, and, Chat, and Gallagher LLP also purchased complimentary website names like GoMikeGo.NYC and Michael Bloomberg, Michael R. Bloomberg Rules.NYC. Spokeswoman for the ex-mayor said he was unaware his lawyers were buying names, which tech blog domain name wire first reported. So uh, I guess it's good to have people watching your back. Okay, and finally, uh, technology giant Samsung Electronics is eyeing the creation of a large Manhattan-based office in which would be one of the largest corporate expansions in New York City in years. According to real estate executives familiar with the search, the South Korean company, which already has U.S. offices in New Jersey and Silicon Valley, is looking for up to 1 million square feet of Manhattan office space. That's amazing. In a newer existing tower, offices of that size generally hold between 5,000 and 7,000 employees. Uh, if Samsung does the deal, it would be one of the best uh, for New York City, the largest commitments by a business. Uh, one of the 1 million square feet is nearly the size of Condé's new headquarters that just opened in One World Trade Center. The space hunt is in its early stages, and the details of the search is whether the sprawling company is considering other sites outside of Manhattan, where the operation in New Jersey would move uh, is not clear, but that's pretty impressive. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to get to our guest, Dr. Tracy Weiland, and we're going to talk to you about women and minorities and technology. This is Tom Diorio on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. Please stay tuned, and we're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI Tech Talk. I'm KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiUria. It's the 9th of November 2014. And as I mentioned to you before the break, we've got a really timely topic, women and minorities in technology. And our guest is Dr. Tracy Weiland. And she is a prominent thought leader on the impact of technology on society, work, and careers. Former visiting scholar at Stanford University, she has held leadership positions at Apple, HP, Cisco, and the Apollo Group. Uh, Dr. Weiland has authored 11 books, including her most recent book, Employed for Life, 21st Century Career Trend, Women Lead Career Perspectives from the Workplace Leaders. Dr. Weiland was named San Francisco's Woman of the Year and honored by the San Francisco Business Times as the most influential woman in the Bay Area in 2012. So uh, we're very impressed to have you on the show, and I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. So you live and work uh, in the Silicon Valley, which uh, we here in the East are uh, trying to give you a run for your money. For really well-known firms, obviously, Apple, HP, and Cisco, 
Is your background in technology? Actually, Tom, um, it, it isn't. And I uh, was really born in New York and educated in New York, and I had the pretty traditional background that women had, which was, you know, if you went, if you left high school and you went on to college, you either went into psychology or liberal arts, and I, that's what I did. It was really when I moved out west uh, when employers told me that survival meant engineering and technology skill sets, uh, pursuing an MBA was critical or a master's of engineering, and so I had to continually add on to my education to remain competitive. Oh, so that's... Was that a big switch for you? I mean, uh, obviously. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a very big switch because you, you know, uh, think that having a, a college degree is enough for any job. And then, you know, the employer that actually t- sat me down and said to survive out in Silicon Valley was really Apple Computer. And they said, you know, Tracy, you're either going to have to get that MBA or Master's of Engineering and you really need to think about how to get more technical because that's just where the work is. And once I completed the MBA, which I did at night and on weekends, so it was pretty grueling, I decided just to keep on going, and I pursued my doctorate, and that's where I added in technology. And, um, and then I did postdoctoral studies, and that's where Stanford and I connected. And uh, I worked and was a researcher at Stanford looking at how technology is just changing the landscape of work and the skills that we need, education and careers. So if I may ask, and you don't have to answer this, uh, approximately when was all that? So that, so I am a Gen X, and that, so I basically have been nonstop education, I would say, for over 20 or 25 years. Um, there were gaps in between, but pretty much I would say I'm, I mean, I experience very much what millennials today will experience in future generations is that education is not a one-stop shop, and technical skill development will be something that you'll have to do continually, whether taking the training through your employer, hopefully they offer it, or on your own. Uh, it's just one of, it's like education has really become a continuum. For these Silicon Valley uh, companies that you worked for, what part of your training did you use in these firms? Was it different in each one? Did you use your original degree or did you use your uh, post-bachelor degrees in the work that you did? Well, you know, when I was in New York, an interesting dichotomy is I actually worked for Vogue. Um, So I had this, you know, whole world of fashion and uh, you know, very feminine and, you know, very interesting, I thought, life. And then as soon as I moved to Silicon Valley, um, the job that was offered to me was manufacturing, uh, which, you know, immediately gives you a vision of having a very dull and dreary life. Um, and it wasn't. Uh, it ended up that manufacturing uh, was international. And so through that, that work and that, that job opportunity, I actually ended up traveling uh, to date over 100 countries in the world. And that, to me, was uh, an astounding upgrade, I thought, in my career, just to have that opportunity to travel travel the world. So in manufacturing and sales, I, I view them as uh, very interesting and similar in types of roles because it is about sales and profit and loss. So I think having a numbers background just helps you if you understand finance. But uh, international business or project management or strategy, 
I tapped into my Master's of Business learnings as well as my doctoral learnings because, you know, it requires research, it requires numbers, it requires uh, analysis, and I think every piece of your education makes a contribution. Now, did you find that having uh, worked and been educated on both coasts that the West Coast with Silicon Valley was more advanced in terms of women being involved in technology? Well, you know, technology has pockets all over the United States and all over the world. And so, you know, it's and I'm, I'm excited about that because technology really wasn't a path presented to me when when I grew up. But today there's more opportunities. I mean, you have Silicon Valley, you have Silicon Beach in Santa Monica, you have Silicon Alley in New York. And so you have many more opportunities just across the board. I also think another benefit is that more women... Um, can see other women in technology. It just really was unheard of, uh, you know, in in my neighborhood to have someone in technology. I think there was one guy who went to engineering school because his father worked at NASA. You know, it was a very unusual path. So today I think you, you see more. Where I live today in Silicon Valley, it's pervasive just because everybody works for one of the major technology firms or the startups or your creating your own opportunity. So it's a very comfortable area. If you like technology, I would, you know, encourage people to find the pockets so that they find other people in the industry as well. When you were starting out in Silicon Valley, were you in the extreme minority as a, as a woman? I know you're in the minority still, although I'm not sure about that out in Silicon Valley, but uh, were there other women doing uh, similar things types of things at similar levels that you were at? at Actually, in manufacturing, no. And I would say that I was one of the few in manufacturing or engineering project management or in procurement, you know, what I call some of the hard math um, math and, you know, strategy roles. And, uh, and that was hard. Um, it, the landscape has not changed that much. In fact, Google recently released um, their numbers of diversity, and, you know, it's predominantly male, and the leadership is male, and that's exactly what I saw, whether it was at Apple or Cisco or HP. Uh, so that's, you know, that's pervasive, and that, that is a problem. I think women can can have success uh, and, and definitely should have success in these environments, even if they feel outnumbered. Um, I found other women or tried to find other women who were in some sort of discipline similar to mine who were in positions where they excelled. And I've asked them to, you know, help me understand what the paths are, what the options are. Um, so I think that even though there are, the numbers are, are unbalanced, you have to take ownership of your career and figure out where do you want to get and how are you going to get there. We've got about a minute left in this segment. I just want to go back to... Uh you going out there and, and being told that you really needed to get a uh, more of a technology background. Was that an easy decision for you? No. You might as well do it. <laughs> no, yeah, it was very difficult because when you work in a Silicon Valley firm, you're working 24 by 7, and someone says to you, you know, to get promoted, you, you need education. Uh, that means nights and weekends. That means fitter, fitting in travel. Uh, for work. It means for me I had to have tutors extra because some of the subjects were quite difficult for me. And it wasn't easy at all, uh, but it was the difference between, you know, I said 
to myself, either I do it now in my early 20s, or I'm going to be faced with a big dilemma in my 50s that I won't be able to afford a lifestyle or to live here, and I better make these decisions younger rather than waiting until I don't have any options. And so I just decided to bite the bullet. Welcome back to I Am I Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom Dioria, and uh, we've got a very interesting show for you. Uh, if you missed the uh, first segment, you can always listen to it at our website, imi-us.com. We're talking to Dr. Tracy Weiland about women and minorities and technology. And before the break, I had asked Tracy about getting into the field. It must have been a, I mean, I'm just amazed that you're working for Vogue and then you go out and now you're working for Apple. Did you use any of the past knowledge and experience in your new uh, profession? I would say the only skill that was relevant was uh, the sales skill. Uh, The clothing definitely did not help me at all uh, because they they told me, Tracy, you need to start dressing down and wearing jeans and flip-flops like we do here. But uh, but the sales, you know, understanding how to work with people, how to work on teams. Teams are, are a pretty big experience uh, today in the workforce and also in Silicon Valley. So I think some of those uh, focused uh, skills that salespeople have to get to an end, uh, the people skills of how to work on teams or lead teams. Uh, you know, one of the opportunities I had was to be an engineering project manager And I felt that my sales background was very relevant because I always saw the end game, the end goal, and I understood the numbers around the product that we needed to deliver. So even though I didn't have that technical background, I had the strategic background and really the management and organization skills that could get us through. You had mentioned uh, in the last segment about the Google uh, Google study that um, talked about diversity of, of women not being very good. How about minorities? Is is that a similar type of of situation in uh, in this industry? Yes. You know, minorities are also underrepresented in the numbers, except for um, Asian population. That would be the highest, the largest numbers that you'll see in Silicon Valley and actually in the schools as well, pursuing technology. Uh, you know, and I look for some studies out here uh, and the Anita Borg Institute, of course, has been researching this for a while. And, you know, just to see, you know, it's what are the issues um, and can, you know, ha- can we do anything about it? And a lot of it is has to do with, you know, equal pay, um, you know, making sure that men and women are getting equal pay for equal work and creating promotions and opportunities. Many women felt that they were being passed over and where men were getting the opportunities. Um, or, you know, just the climate of the organization. Uh, you know, it's, is it very um, masculine versus feminine versus neutral? Um, and I think all of these factors are, are definitely things that I felt and I've seen that you have to say, can I rise above this or are there better options for me? Or, you know, how, you know, how am I going to make my own success at the same time as encourage the firms that you work for to make changes, which a lot of them are realizing they have to do. Is that what you saw and found in the Silicon Valley area? Because we, or at least I had the impression that, uh, you know, California and and that area was a lot more progressive in terms of of women, well, at least from my perspective, women, I'm not sure about minorities, 
but it sounds like that's what you found when you went out there. It was the same as it was elsewhere. Well, let me give you a comparison. So I lived and worked in New York. I had a short-term assignment in the South. I had an assignment <laughs> in the U.K., and then I had, and then I also worked in California. I would say, and then in Silicon Valley, I would say that of all of the locations, by far California was the easiest for me as a female, uh, easiest for me in my career moves, and it created the most opportunity. I found the the other locations having many more rules, uh, predefined expectation about women and men in roles. Uh, you know, a lot more factors, uh, and so I was a, a sigh of relief, actually, when I came out west, although you can see inside firms, there's still dysfunction, and, and that's unfortunate, uh, but yes, I mean, I would say it was much more positive in my experience in those other locations. So, is this a reason why women um, and minorities leave firms and, and the technology uh, areas, uh, or is it... Uh... You know, are there many other factors, and this is only one? Well, you know, I think there is, there's there's a number of factors. I mean, one one you'll hear the technology firms say, you know, there isn't a pipeline, uh, and I can understand that because my generation there 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 wasn't a pipeline as much as there could be uh, for women in technology. But with that said, once you enter the firm, uh, the environment can be a factor. Um, are you go? You know, are you making sure that good people are getting promoted? Are you making sure that you're paying people the same? And so, you know, I do think that Google creating transparency of their own firm is exactly what we need to see more of by Silicon Valley firms. Is this unhidden bias, uh, n- not maybe intentional, but for women and minorities in the firm? You know, creating a culture of inclusiveness that really reflects your customer base. I think the the other side that I want to bring up uh, is the whole entrepreneurial movement. I think this has done a great things for women and women's movement in general. Uh, you know, I see a lot of young women today looking at Shark Tank um, saying, I can start a business, I can start a technology business, and access to funding is more available because of crowdsourcing and our friends and family or different sites like Indiegogo. Um, so, I, you know, for me, I think a lot of women can find new paths, different paths, more, you know, lucrative paths and independent paths by also looking at not just firms but also looking at entrepreneurial opportunities for themselves. And I think that's something that really wasn't available in my generation that is definitely available today. Going back to the environment in in uh, organizations, um, I assume we're talking just about the United States now, uh, or is this something that's an international situation, or is it really different country by country? I guess it really varies. You know, I have done you know extensive travel, and I would say that when I was working with Japan or South Korea or Mexico or or South America, these are have very predefined roles about men and women, but then if you go to China um, or Taiwan, you know, I saw, or Singapore, I saw a very different landscape. Uh, There was, you know, more having to do with men and women working, men and women pursuing technology. In India, for example, there's a lot more emphasis on technology because 
you know, a lot of countries see this as the opportunity. This is where you can make money. This is where you can have a future. So it does vary by country and um, by, you know, even by region. So, you know, we can't make a blanket statement about it. Uh, in general, though, you know, I would hope and like to see more American women pursuing technology uh, so that we don't have to, you know, keep looking abroad for the talent. It would be great to have more people pursue it right here in the U.S. and start those companies and get promoted in, in the tech firm. So do you see uh, upper management being more open and running large companies to give women this opportunity, to encourage women? I mean, I, I guess you must feel, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but you ran into a manager that encouraged you, or I'm not sure encouraged is the right word either, but pointed you in a direction that helped you get into this this industry, and I assume forced your development in terms of what you did once you, once you had that background. I mean, do you feel that that type of situation where it was probably uh, limited when you were breaking in a lot more pervasive now? Well, I think it's more of understanding the landscape. So, and it wasn't a, uh, a coaching session that the manager had. It actually was I saw someone get promoted over me who was at the firm shorter time, and the manager said, well, it's because that he has an MBA and you don't. And I said, well, we've got to fix that problem. Um, you know, and then I realized that education, you, you know, I had to check every box to make sure that I couldn't get ahead. The second strategy that I deployed that I, I think more women need to deploy in minorities is not to be afraid to leave a firm and move to another firm. You know, when I worked at Vogue, I thought there would be no other firm as great as Vogue, and then I went to Apple, and I thought there would be no other company as great as Apple, and then I went to HP, and then to Cisco. And you know what? Each firm got better and better and better, and when you make moves, you can position yourself for promotion. But to your original point, you know, I, I think I see a lot of strides in technology. We have Meg Whitman, the CEO of HP. We have Melissa Meyer at Yahoo. We have Cheryl Sandberg at Facebook. We have Ursula Brown at Xerox. We have Indra Nui, not in technology, but the head of Pepsi. So I do see women in minorities moving into significant roles. Ginny uh, Romney at IBM. So I do, and I would encourage women to say, look at the leadership team. Look at, you know, where where are women leading because and what is their philosophy about promoting women and hiring women versus, you know, sticking, you know, just suffering or staying in, in the same company just because you think you have to, because you don't have to. You can you can really create more opportunities for yourself. That's great advice. We're gonna take a break. We're talking to Dr. Tracy Wylan about women and minorities in technology. I'm Tom DiOria. We're on IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to IMI's Tech Talk on KFNX AM 1100. I'm Tom DiOria, and we're talking to Dr. Tracy Wiling about women and minorities in technology. And before the break, uh, Tracy was telling us about some women that are in pretty high positions both in technology and out of technology. Has that helped, not helped, or not changed 
the way companies focus on minorities and, and women when you have a woman in the highest position? It does help and will continue to help because, um, you, know, you know, let's face it, people hire, you know, like for like. I think some of the strategies that I hear about being deployed is giving, you know, encouraging women to raise their hand for cross-functional teams, high visibility projects, uh, recruiting women with women. Uh, many times you're faced with a recruiting team or, you know, HR, you know, who are men rather than women. And also providing uh, forums, networking groups, and role models. You know, I think people like to see people doing something that they like to do that they think that they could also do, no matter what industry. And I think creating role model opportunities is, is very helpful. With that said, every, you know, it does have to start young. You know, you need to start with mom and dad at home. You know, what kind of toys, what kind of TV shows, what kind of books and games are you giving your boys and your girls? And then what kind of messaging are they getting in school? And what kind of encouragement are they getting? And I think that that's really important. I have a story where a mother's daughter was great in biology and was going to pursue it in college. And then because her friends felt it was too geeky and they were not going to pursue science, she told her mother, well, maybe I'll just change my major. And her mother, you know, quite cleverly went and found a very glamorous female biologist who was happily married, good-looking, and traveling the world to show her a role model that, you know, it isn't, you're not going to be a geek. You're going to be a wealthy, pretty, happy geek. And um, so continue, and she got her back on track, which I'm happy when I hear about examples like that. That's a pretty good story. Let's talk about education for, uh, I don't want to say kids, but for the people who... Uh that are now either entering college or even in high school. Can you give us your impression of how important you think it is uh, for them to take computer science, math, edu- you know, courses uh, prior to getting into college and, and how that will help them in college? Yeah, I think it is very important. You know, I was reading some news about the U.K. was thinking about just enforcing that all kids in their K-12 system would take uh, coding classes. And, you know, my philosophy is that technology is is a language. And like any other language, you need to learn it and become comfortable with it fairly young. You may not major in that language in college, but we need to expose you to it uh, so that you understand how to use it and becomes part of yourself because learning learning things later in life can be very tough. Um, So I do get discouraged when I hear parents refer to technology more as as an elective. You know, do I put my student in sports or technology? Or should my student uh, learn a musical instrument or technology? And to me, it's like, well, they should have it all. You should be, they should have opportunities to try music and sports and technology and become comfortable with all of these so that they can find what they like to do and what they do well and what eventually that they can get paid for doing very well. So I think technology is, is pretty important, K through 12, all the way through college. When I was teaching, I found that when you take a, a uh, computer language or a computer course, it helps the student think more logically and it applies to not only that computer language or a computer course, but but helps them elsewhere in terms of, of uh, other things that they're doing that may not even be 
technologically related. I don't know if that's an experience that you've had. No, it's um, it's a skill, computational thinking. Can can you think through problems in in a more scientific way, in a more logical way? And uh, that, and I, I think your your experience is right on. Is the language will come and go, whatever you learned, but the logic of what you did will stick with you, as well as connecting the dots of that with an, an interesting creation. And that's where I think, you know, schools and parents is because of this computer program, you now can Uber a car, right? Because of this computer program, you're playing that game, right? So helping people understand how the whole programming actually connects to something fun or practical or useful in their lives. I think that's a good learning experience that our listeners should uh, take to heart here, even if even if your child is going off in some other direction, that this would help them relate to a lot more things later on in life. Are there enough role models out there, people giving this type of advice? I think we have to find them. And, you know, what I find is that women, particularly women in technology or in the sciences, um, because they're, if there's less, um, and in my case, you get called on more. Uh, and so, you know, I've done a lot of outreach to make sure that I can continually, where possible, be a role model. And so that's where I, I had a series of books early on, which was really about women doing business internationally, overseas, in male-dominated communities, um, and then going on, you know, the speaking circuit. In fact, um, I had an inspiring, you know, speech last week in Madison, Wisconsin, the Paragon Development System has this free conference for people in IT and asked me to come and speak and then meet with CIOs and women in technology during lunch just to tell the story. You know, here's my story. Then the outreach from the women was incredible. And also the, the executive men saying, I've got to get you in front of my daughter uh, because I've been looking for someone who can share their story so that they can see, she can see the path. And so I think role models, we need more of them, but the ones that are out there, you know, we try real hard where we can. That's a major effort, I think, here, just to convince the kids that uh, they can play in that sandbox. One final thing uh, before we have to wrap up. Uh, In your speeches, you talk about uh, design mindset and work productivity. Can you explain that to us? Sure. So, you know, just going back to, you know, how can we change the landscape for companies and for women and minorities, you know, there's a skill I talk about called the design mindset, which is really about looking at work in terms of overall productivity. Work can be a product, work can be a service, work can be a movie, it could be knowledge. Are we designing the workforce to be the most productive? Or are we forcing people to go into a norm that we know from, you know, generations, the cube farm? Um, And so if you can design work, to be more productive, then you'll start to see how to design the teams, how they work well together, and diversity will find a spot in that. So I I, I talk about that because I think people are still designing work and teams and businesses around an old model that doesn't really exist anymore. There's really very little need for people to go into a cube to find a computer because they're basically looking for a power source for their Wi-Fi, you know, or Wi-Fi spot for their mobile devices because work is really 
transition. So it's all about designing the workforce and your teams to be most productive. I really appreciate this. Can you tell our listeners if they want to follow up with you what the best way to do that is? My website is tracywyland.com, which is T-R-A-C-E-Y-W-I-L-E-N.com. I'm on Twitter at Tracy Wyland. My Facebook is Dr. Tracy Wyland. I'm on Pinterest and, of course, an open networker on LinkedIn, so I love to network with people. Great. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Thank you so much. I want to thank Terry Ruggiero, IMI's President, Dave Brandon, Dan Diori, and Jose Batista for the Week in Review. Taylor Redden's our producer. Matt Campagni is our executive producer. And without Robert Bomback in the KFNX AM 1100 production department, you wouldn't hear a word we said. And I gave him a, uh, a little extra tasks today to get us done. Uh, thanks again for listening. And please don't forget to tune into Tech Talk next week at 5 p.m. in New York on KFNX AM 1100. And remember to send us your suggestions for future shows or ask us questions by sending an email to techtalk at imi-us.com. Have a great week. Thank a veteran. And thanks again for listening. Thank you.